When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may have noticed signs of an infection in your pregnancy, or you may hope to prevent future infection. How are infections diagnosed and treated in pregnancy? And can these infections pose risk to mom or baby? I'm Dr. Jan Penvozi, board-certified OBGYN, and today we are discussing common infections in pregnancy. This is Preggy Pals. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise? What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got cankles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Stephanie Glover. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get special episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. See our website for more information. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app, available in the Android, iTunes, and Window Marketplaces. Sunny, our producer, is now going to give us some information about the virtual panelist program. Yes, so our virtual panelist program is for everyone out there that you may not be able to make into the studio or perhaps you live further away. Um, And it's a great way for you guys to participate in the conversation. So I'm going to be posting some stuff online through our Facebook account, Twitter as well. I'll be using hashtag PreggyPalsVP. The VP stands for virtual panelist. Um, I'll ask you guys some questions, some of the same questions our panelists in the studio are talking about. Um, And it's another great way for you you to ask our expert questions. So we usually try to post these questions in advance prior to the taping to give you guys um, an opportunity to be part of our conversation. So there you go. Great. Thank you, Sunny. So we'll go ahead and go around the table and introduce ourselves here. Um, Again, I'm Stephanie Glover. I'm 32. I am a stay-at-home mom, host of Preggy Pals, and a uh, trained childbirth educator. No due date, uh, but I do have two little girls. Gretchen is three, and Lydia is almost 15 months. My first was a cesarean and my second a VBAC. Oh, hi. (laughs) Hi, guys. It's Amy Dugan here. Um, (laughs) My name is Amy Dugan. I'm 33 years old. I am a homeschooling, stay-at-home mom, and I have two little girls, one and a half and five and a half, and um, no due date because I am not currently expecting a child. Hi, I'm Kristen Stratton. I am a birth and postpartum doula. I'm also the mother of three, ages five, three, and 16 months. And I'm Sunny. I'm producing today's show, but I'm also the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces this show as well as Parent Savers, The Boob Group, and Twin Talks. I have four kids of my own. They are all under age four four and under, I guess I should say. And my oldest is four, my middle guy is two, and then I have twin girls who are about to turn one. Awesome. Thank you. And Dr. Jan Penvosi, we'll go ahead and uh, include you in the introduction since you're also a mommy, if you could tell us just a little bit about your family. Well, I've got three kids who I love, and my oldest, uh, Abigail, is 15, and Catherine is 10, and Ethan is six years old. 
mm-hmm. keeping me on my toes. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today, we're just going to be reviewing an app um, that is actually pretty pertinent to conceiving uh, or just tracking your menstrual cycle. So it's called Menstruation and Ovulation Calendar, and I have the version three. Um, It is free, but there's also like a full paid version. So I just have the free app, but everyone loves free. Um, So basically, this app kind of gives you a calendar format, and you can just click on the day. And within that, it gives you options. So you can hit yes or no if it's a menstruation day, yes or no if you took a pill, if you've had intercourse. Um, You can enter notes just to kind of have to refer back on. If you're doing like the basal body temperature, you can input your temperature. Um, And then there are other categories such as um, making notes or kind of grading on a scale for abdominal pain, vaginal discharge, headache, and bleeding. And uh, I actually used this app after my uh, I gave birth to my first child uh, just to track my postpartum periods because they were just a little, you know, wonky at first and you didn't really have like a regular cycle. It was like the same number of days every cycle. Mm-hmm. So I tracked it for several months and then we were ready to try to conceive. Um, I went back. Well, we tried for a couple months and nothing was happening. And then I realized this app doesn't um, calculate your cycle length for you. So you actually have to input that manually. And the I just... I had to kind of average it. I was just a couple days off. I didn't do my math correctly. So once I did my math, then I inputted my input my cycle length, and it'll show you what days you're likely ovulating, really likely ovulating, you know. And so it just kind of shows you like one O, two O's, or three O's um, to just kind of help if you're trying to conceive. So. Or if you're trying to not conceive. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Or if you just need to track like other things, you Natural know. Family um, planet, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember I, I could even track because when I'm pregnant. I'm a vivid dreamer anyway, but I get really crazy. So, you know, I would use notes and be like, had some crazy dreams or I think I had implantation bleeding, you know, and then I could refer back and do some math and see if that's actually what it was. So I I like the app. You know, I like apps that are very simple. And this seems to be, you know, you open it up and there's a full blown calendar and then you just click on the date. So I I like that. And then it kind of gives you your options from there. Does look like you can upgrade. Like it asked me when I first logged in, you know, do you want to change the color of the screen? What's your secondary color? I'm like, I I know. So that was that was kind of a little a little strange. But um, yeah, it seems good. And I was just doing the math. I don't know if this is TMI, but I'm almost a year out and I still haven't had my period yet. So this is actually I'm breastfeeding. Uh, thank you, breastfeeding. Yes. Um, but um, this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm expecting it to come, you right. know. And so maybe I'll just start um, using this, you know, when Aunt Flo shows yeah. up again. And kind of, because you're right, the postpartum periods are really weird. They're yeah, all, it can yeah, just take a while. Yeah. yeah. Yes, with breastfeeding. And and then it's nice, too, because once you, um, like, it, if you look at it just from the calendar view, instead of going into the details of the day, it'll show you if you've made certain notes. So at a, at a glance, you can see that, like the pink days are the days that I was on my period and 
you can see that I have maybe notes for those days and I could look in for more. So. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of gives you an overview when you yeah. look at the calendar. So, so I'm nice. sure there are fancier apps out there, but I mean, I give this a, a thumbs up. It's worked yeah. for me. So. And it's free. And thumbs it's free. Up it's free. <laughs> okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today we're learning about the most common infections in pregnancy. Joining us here in the studio is Dr. Jan Penvos-Yee. Uh, welcome to Preggy Pals again, Jan. Great to be back. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with, um, we're going to go through some just really common basic infections that women experience. So let's start with the good old yeast infection. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love talking about yeast infections, right? <laughs> so I you- love to talk about yeast infections. <laughs> so, so can you tell us what? A yeast infection is <laughs> so basically we're going to use we're going to use the real terms which I do with all my kids which they hate but <laughs> your vagina is full of normal healthy bacteria and some yeast and so an infection is when one of those bacteria either doesn't belong or a yeast that doesn't belong or it overgrows one okay. that belongs there but that it overgrows uh-huh. and so some of us can carry a little bit of an overgrowth just kind of a carrier but some of us have the overgrowth to the point that it's an infection. It, it's causing problems. So typically, a yeast infection is an overgrowth of the growth, growth of the candida, usually, is the type that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's causing you problems. It's causing itching. It's causing burning. Not everybody gets discharged. That's a, a misconception that a lot of people have. Oh, I should have this thick, white cottage cheese discharge. Mm-hmm. Well, not so true. Some people just get the inflammation and even swelling of the labia. And um, or they can have like a thin, tan, white, watery discharge. So everybody's different, and that's typically from the inflammation that's happening, that watery discharge that we get. Okay, and is it are some people just more prone than others, or is there an actual cause? For so truly, yeah, there can be even genetic factors. Some okay. people are just more prone to them. People who are diabetic and aren't controlling their blood sugars really well, they are more prone to it. Um, and truly, some physical factors such as you know you're you're hot and moist down there a lot, and 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 you sweat more. Stockings, certain um, uh, panty liners, or that you wear a lot, things like that can cause problems for you too. And I, you know, and people who are immune suppressed, people who have HIV, um, who have immune suppression from drugs they're taking for other illnesses, they can be more prone to an overgrowth happening and imbalance. Okay, and even taking mm-hmm. antibiotics sometimes. That's too? a classic classic reason for it and some people are very prone to it some people could take you know three weeks of antibiotics and not have a problem and again there's probably that genetic factor was other women you know take a five-day course or something and there it is and can pregnancy make you more prone to getting it absolutely because estrogen is another trigger for it so certain birth control pills especially the higher estrogen pills can change the flora down there Mm. um and pregnancy is a state of high estrogen (laughs) and um there you go. Well, yeah. So I have a question about estrogen. So um, if you're pregnant and you know you're having a baby girl, that's estrogen for the baby. But can that actually increase? I mean, there's technically more estrogen, period, right? Correct. Okay. Does that's that... a good question. Oh, I yeah, don't have an answer for. I thought girl. about it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've thought about that before because, you know, the whole this is kind of off track. But birth control pills, for example, we yeah. now know that it's okay. I got pregnant on my birth control and I kept taking it till I didn't get my period. And is that more risky for a male fetus, for example, because you're taking estrogen? There's I don't I don't have an answer for that. But okay. it's 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 really thoughtful when I think of it. But I have 
haven't ever really found yeah. an answer for that. Probably not. Not okay. enough of a level for the little peanut in there, especially early in the pregnancy. But Well, and I mean, hormones aside, I remember my cousin, she told me in my first pregnancy, she's like, I have one word to describe pregnancy, and it's moist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get to know your body in ways you never That's thought you would. <laughs> accurate. <laughs> So it's, makes it's a sense great way to describe because some people weren't moist before. Yeah. Some people are. Yeah. <laughs> so they think something is seriously wrong with them until they've gone through a pregnancy. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> and then you get the corollary postpartum where you're dry. Right. And you're breastfeeding and all that. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And so how you mentioned there are different types of symptoms. So what usually causes a woman to go in you said maybe scratching or discharge? And then how would how would a provider say, you know, yes, this is a yeast infection or. You know, right. Would... So we want to do an exam. Okay. First of all, you know, well, first you want to get a history. The history is always very important. So okay. you want to find out are there other things going on because there's other infections we'll talk about later. You know, are, are, are there other are there products that someone's using? Have they changed what they're doing? Have they changed their underwear? Have they changed their panty liners? All of that kind of stuff. You want to ask them if something's changed. So history is super, super duper important. And have they had these before? Are they somebody who is familiar with it? Do they know their body? Um, you know, it's incidental, but sometimes they'll say, my mom always had problems. She tells me I've got a yeast infection. <clears throat> So we want to, you know, first get a good history. And then we're going to take a look. And absolutely, we're looking for swelling, redness. Sometimes people have what we call a fissure, or it looks like someone's scratched down there. And it may be from scratching itself or just the irritations really erode the skin. Then we look inside the vagina. And um, we take a look at, is there the discharge? And is there the same kind of effects inside? And what we can do if we see the discharge, or not even see that classic cottage cheese, but just some discharge, we'll swab the walls with a Q-tip. We'll put the speculum in, swab the walls with Q-tip, and we can make a little slide with some saline. And we can also add some potassium hydroxide that helps us see yeast in a different way. And then we can look under the microscope right then and there. And that's actually usually better than culturing someone out, which can, you know, you can just be somebody who has yeast, but it's not an infection and may not be the cause of your problems because we're supposed to have yeast down there. So we really want the whole picture. And so, um, you know, for somebody who's having recurrent infections that we don't seem to be getting rid of, then we might want to do the culture as well to see, actually, we can type out what kind of yeast they're having. And so for a yeast infection that would go untreated or maybe that's just recurrent, um, Mm -hmm. are there risks to mom or baby? So in pregnancy, um, there are... Technically, there's not really risks to mom and baby for a yeast infection, except that we can see that moms who've had carried a high load of it during the pregnancy, so an asymptomatic yeast, yeast overgrowth, mm-hmm. that maybe baby's going to be more prone to yeast yeast infections, topical, like diaper rash, postpartum, okay, and things like that. So I've had one patient who has a history once of, of the baby having significant problems with yeast postpartum, but extremely rare, and I've never found it in the textbook, so, and that's on a history. Okay, and are there treatments that are safe during pregnancy? Absolutely, absolutely. It's still controversial um, uh, whether or not we can just say yes, that (laughs) Diflucan, that pill that everybody loves, that one-dose pill Mm -hmm. that stays in your system for 10 days, um, you know, can we just take that in pregnancy? There's there's some concerns that that can cause defects, especially in the first trimester, but at high doses. So, you know, the mom who said, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I was pregnant and I took a Diflucan and and um, I'm so stressed. You know, there's no studies that show that's a problem. And, and probably we could give one dose of Diflucan, especially in the first trimester of pregnancy. Um, but typically what they recommend are topical topical vaginal inserts like the monostat yeah especially the clotrimazole is the gynotrimin 3 is a a real popular one because it's shown to be safer uh the other one is the myconazole those are the two most favored vaginal ones in pregnancy if i get a mom who's um, close to term 
and she's just got a horrible, horrible infection, and she's just had it, and she's, I'm not putting that up, that up in there. It's, oh, I give her a Diflucan because, you know, she's close to term, and, and there's nothing to show that that's the problem. Okay. Now, raise your hand, or who had the yeast infection in pregnancy? Okay, we've got, well, including myself, three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and did you have to treat it topically? I did. Or? Well, the reason I got mine was I was hospitalized for pneumonia with my second pregnancy, and so I had a bunch of antibiotics, just tons, IV, oral, everything, the works. So my doctor, when she was discharging me, walked in with a box of Monistat and said, I was like, what's this for? She's like, because it's coming. (laughs) And sure enough, she was right. So yes, one of the lesser joys of pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I just, I didn't really have a history of it, but I I called, you know, the, the nurse line and it was something that they were comfortable with just saying, that's uh, what I did. Yeah, typical. Mm-hmm. This kind yeah. of meets all the criteria and um, give this a try. And then if you have problems. And so I think I took like the seven-day kind of internal cream. Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> a good point to make because they didn't specify with me. They just kind of said monostat or whatever. And so uh, I had never had a yeast infection before. And this is when I was pregnant with my twins. And it was later on in the pregnancy. And um, I didn't know what to get. So my husband, you know, I'm, I'm at home with my boys. Plus, I'm like hugely pregnant. So my husband goes out to the store. <laughs> get something and he calls me and he's like I don't know what to get there's all these things at the store what do I do and so I'm like coaching him through it but they didn't tell me what dosage to get and oh my goodness if you do the one dosage watch out it is like fire crash I was just gonna bring that up it's so funny I don't let my patients get the one because some people can tolerate it but for most people that is it's almost worse than the yeast infection. It is worse yeah. than the yeast infection. Yeah. My doctor thankfully said no one day, no three day, just go seven day. Okay. <laughs> so, yep. um, I usually do five day in pregnancy. Okay. You know, if, if there's a five day alternative, because seven day I find compliance to be an issue. <laughs> but oh yeah, <laughs> but it is nicer for you if you can spread it out over time. Oh, so. and I didn't even realize that it had something to do with dosage. I guess I should have figured that out. But um, yeah, then afterwards I'm calling because I'm like, do I take it off? What do I do? I can't even. <laughs> past what was happening oh, behind, yeah. know, between my legs. And so... Us poor mamas, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. But they said, no, you've already done it, you know, whatever. It's right. kind of a done deal. And then I ended up getting another one just a couple weeks later. And then I said, do not get that one dosage thing. It is like three, four days or after. Yeah. So. And then you became a pro. <laughs> and now I'm a pro on yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can move on to another super glamorous topic of urinary tract infections or UTIs. So Dr. Penvosi, what is a UTI? <laughs> so UTI is a urinary tract infection. It starts at your urethra, where you pee from, into your bladder, then up the ureters to your kidneys. So it's it's something all along that system. However, most of us, when we say, I got a UTI, I mean my bladder's infected, okay? So in pregnancy, we're more prone to the urinary tract infection. And again, the hormonal changes and things can affect that as well. Um, but it can be a serious thing in pregnancy. And basically, it's bacteria in your bladder or any part of that system that can cause a problem. And in pregnancy, it's uh, riskier to ascend up into your kidneys, too. You have a higher risk of that in pregnancy, and it can be a bad thing. Yeah, I remember I got one really early on with my second pregnancy, and I had not, I've only had one, I think, prior to that, and it was an immediate kidney infection when I was 17. And so I was completely afraid of it getting to that point. And I think I just, again, called the nurse line and it was at night on a Sunday. And so the on-call doctor called and was like, I just sent a prescription. We'll see you in a couple days anyway. But no, like, go take the antibiotics. This is kind of a big deal. So did anyone else have any UTIs in 
pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had them all the time because I was chronically dehydrated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was always um, getting and and it's so hard sometimes because you always have to pee anyway when you're <laughs> pregnant. So sometimes it's hard to distinguish is this just because I'm pregnant and you know I have an overactive bladder, right. or you know, but then you get some of those less lovely symptoms like the burning oh my gosh the burning is horrible yeah or I always got like that like that pressure it almost just you know it just felt like a heaviness kind of urgency yeah Yeah. you have to pee and you can't is what it feels like yes yeah if a if a woman doesn't notice though that she has symptoms like is there any way that an OB or a care provider might still detect it Sure, sure. So some of the things you've been saying are good about the symptoms. We have pain with urination. We go quite often. Um, we have um, um, urgency where you feel like you have to go and then you get there and nothing comes out. And uh, one of the other symptoms that people might notice is like you feel relief while you're urinating and then the second you stop urinating, yes. you feel like you're going to die again. So those are all things that can lead to it. But there's also subtle symptoms right and so and the mom what does the mom say the pregnant mom I I don't know I go to the bathroom all the time anyhow right Mm -hmm. um so sometimes even just incidentally you may have that vague fullness or that vague discomfort and so we'll you know we'll feel and think "Mm, maybe but the easiest way to do it thank goodness is you just do as clean a catch of urine as you can in a cup and we can actually dip it in the office and see if it contains certain things like white blood cells um, evidence of blood in the urine that's another thing some people can frankly see the blood in the urine but not everybody does and so we can dip it in the office and, and that's routine anyway typically is, right you right pee in but a so cup we want all you pregnant moms out there <laughs> if you think there's something wrong whether or not you think it's a vaginal infection or your bladder or something always tell your provider before you give them that urine because they want a clean catch sample they want you to do those little wipes first um, before you give that sample a lot of times I'll get in the room as a doctor and the patient tells me the history and all of a sudden I'll say you got to leave me a urine sample doctor I just emptied my bladder for you so if there's something that you think's off you definitely want to tell tell who's ever putting you in the room before you give that urine sample um, and that's that's the quickest way to tell. But here's a little piece of information, too, that I think is important, especially if you're someone who's prone to recurrent urine infections, is that if we can get a culture before you start the antibiotic, that's great because then we can know what bacteria we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's that E. coli bacteria, but it helps for people who get recurrence. Now, the flip side of that is I finally got my first urinary tract infection, not pregnant, and it was so awful. I said from that day forward, anybody can call me at any hour of the day. If they are suffering as bad as I am suffering, I will treat them. I will get up. I will find the pharmacy <laughs> if I need to for them. and treat. Because for some people, it can be awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can get a urine sample before, it's better for the long-term history of things. And while you're pregnant, so, you know, clearly you can take antibiotics to help Absolutely, it. absolutely. And then there's that other medication, I don't know the name for, that kind of helps with the pain of yeah. it. Is that so? Safe in pregnancy? Oh, the stuff that makes your urine orange. orange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of them orange. are safe. Some mm. there's a couple variants of it, but it does make your urine orange and it can get to the baby. So we usually okay. we usually don't do that in pregnancy. Okay. Gotcha. We don't want orange babies. <laughs> <laughs> so if a UTI goes untreated and essentially travels to the kidneys, what does that mean for a pregnant woman? Well, just to keep it short for you, it's a very important thing to take care of. A kidney infection in pregnancy can put you at risk for preterm labor and things like that. It can lead to high, high fevers, which aren't good for a pregnant mom. Um, The good news is it's treatable, You get it, but it requires hospitalization. You get IV antibiotics until you're 24 hours without a fever, fever, and then you can go home and finish out on oral antibiotics. 
But the main thing is that's just not something you can treat without antibiotics. You, you know, maybe an early urinary tract infection, you can do some of those homeopathic things to fix it. But a kidney infection, you have to take it seriously. It's always important to let your doctor know if we give you an antibiotic, if you don't want to take it, just let us know that you're not going to take it and why so that we can make sure you're getting the right, the right treatment for what you have. Great. Thank you. When we come back, we'll discuss a couple more common infections in pregnancy, bacterial vaginosis and group B strep. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. So welcome back. Today we're discussing common infections in pregnancy. Dr. Penvosi is our expert today. So let's chat about bacterial vaginosis, or also known as BV. What is bacterial vaginosis? So like we talked about earlier with the yeast infections, it's an overgrowth of certain bacteria. Uh, The most classic one is Gardnerella. And um, it can cause, in most cases, a thin uh, proliferative watery discharge. And everyone classically says this has a fishy odor associated with it. Um, So most of the time when people have this, they, they complain of it. Okay. And so if they suspected that they had it, they would come in then for a culture or a swab or? Absolutely. Kind of the same test as the okay. yeast infection. You come in, you get the speculum exam, you get a Q-tip. We can look under the microscope. There's, You can see the actual um, epithelial cells that line the vagina covered with these bacteria. And, um, and then we can know, usually right away, um, that you need to be treated. Again, that's something you can send for culture. Um, if the sometimes you it looks it looks like a duck walks like a duck you put it on the microscope it doesn't look like a duck <laughs> so you got to send it off to prove it you may treat your patient anyhow because you have suspicions for that and and that I'll let you go ahead oh well yeah I mean I was going to ask so what is the the is the treatment safe for pregnancy and what is that treatment yeah absolutely there's antibiotics okay and it's absolutely safe in pregnancy uh, you know we we don't like to give you anything that you can't have in pregnancy oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um if you know if you do have a presence of this bacteria is there risk to mom or baby actually there are some studies some good studies that show that it you know it can be associated with miscarriage if untreated and preterm labor if untreated you know and that's one of the things with preterm labor we don't always know what causes it a lot of times there's suspicion for infections this is one that we know puts us at risk for it so it's again one of those times if your doctor wants you to take that antibiotic either you got to be taking it or try your other ways and get recultured to make sure that keep that baby in as long as yeah we like to keep those babies in (laughs) plus most of the time women want that infection gone right there's some people that don't have the symptoms but it's usually one that they are very uncomfortable wet again like you said yeah and are there ways to prevent it so, yes, there's there's little pamphlets we can give people. Certain um, uh, hygiene products can cause it. They Again, 
get that pH balance off in there is what happens and it can overgrow because our, you know, our whole body has this nice pH or for acidic or basic. And if it's at the right level, hopefully things grow in harmony. If it's at the wrong level, like too basic, we'll get an overgrowth of this bacteria. So um, things that can do, um, the scented soaps that, you know, that everybody likes to use and as your scented tampon, scented pads, some people can use them, some people can't. And pregnancy, again, our, our whole system's off. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know we didn't give that uh, bacteria tons of time just because I wanted to head over to um, group B strep, also referred to as GBS, because I know this is a very common one and there's a lot of information out there on it. So I think it deserves a little bit of extra time. Um, If you could explain to us what group B strep is. So I'll give you my normal spiel on this because I like all my pregnant moms to know this, but group B strep or GBS is a normal bacteria again, just like we've talked about. Everybody has it. Sometimes in pregnancy, it overgrows. So as long as, long as it's not bothering us, and, and say we cultured you, some, sometimes uh, doctors will, your providers will culture you early in pregnancy. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's routine. Sometimes it's not. But say we culture you, you've got absolutely no symptoms. I'm not going to freak out about groupie strep on your vaginal culture early in pregnancy. If we see it in your urine, because it can colonize the vagina, the urethra, the blood, if we see it in your urine any time in the pregnancy, pregnancy it means you're a colonizer of that bacteria it means you have higher level high, higher levels of that bacteria okay. okay so those are those are like the asymptomatic carriers um typically i always tell people when you're not pregnant if you've got groupie strep and i find it and you come in complaining and the whole exam is negative and i find a little groupie strep on your culture i'm I'm not usually going to treat you unless you're saying, Doc, the symptoms just aren't going away. What would the symptoms be? I actually don't think I realized that there were many for it. There aren't. There okay. aren't. And that's the thing. But say the patient comes in with a typical in- infection. So like they think it's a yeast infection or they think it's a bacterial vaginosis. Okay. But you do the exam and you don't see what they're saying or you just don't see it. So and then it comes back and, and truly we're Let's not see. supposed to treat it um, because because it's normal. It's right? normal. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, but sometimes, incidentally, it's one of those things that practice goes over what you read and what you're taught. You treat it and the patient feels better. But, you know, we try to educate them first so that, you know, we get we get that all together. But in pregnancy, the biggest concern is for the baby after delivery or the mom after delivery. If we carry high levels of it, mom can get an infection of the uterus after delivery. And baby can have, have infection of the lungs. Okay. Um, they can have like a septicemia or where the blood gets infected and then they can have meningitis. So that's all scary. So I know we're going to have a personal story on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I tell my moms is we're going to culture you for this. We're going to do a little swab of the vagina and around the rectum. And if this comes back positive, it does not mean that your baby's automatically going to get one of these infections. Okay. But what it means is ideally we treat you in labor. So to get that that number of that bacteria nice and low, so when the baby comes through the birth canal, that it's not exposed to a lot of this bacteria. And then I tell them, so say you come in, you're one of those lucky moms, you come in and you're rip-roaring labor and you shoot your baby out. And you're like, oh, but doctor, I didn't get that antibiotic. I was supposed to get two doses of that antibiotic. What am I going to do? And I say, look, this doesn't mean your baby's going to be infected. First of all, they didn't spend much time in the birth canal. And, you know, not to worry. But the pediatricians will keep an eye out for up to three months after the delivery. So they're going to, you know, they know this baby came through a group B strep positive canal. They're going to know to pay attention. Any signs of infection, they're going to take, you know, seriously. Okay. Yeah. And so raise of hands here now. Who had GBS or who was GBS positive in pregnancy? Only for one of my babies. Me too. My, yeah. It's the first one. You know, I feel like I was like, I don't know, I won the lottery or something, you know, looking back because you go in and it's like so weird anyway, because they're like, oh, we're just going to swab around all your parts. And I'm like, right. This isn't weird enough, you know? 
<laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that one went great. And then the second one, I'm like, all right, feeling good. I already had one kid. You know, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I come back and they're like, oh, you have group B strep. You know, it's kind of like they sit you down, like they're going to tell you something really <laughs> terrible. They're like, I have to tell you something. You have group B strep. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, and uh, and then they're like, oh, well, you know, and then they try to pull back like, oh, no, you know, it's all the cool kids have group B strep, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just so weird. And so you're like, okay, what do I do? So I go in. And my baby was ready to come out. And uh, eventually, it took her a while, but, you know, when she wanted to, she did. And uh, so I, you know, we drove to the hospital. I did most of my labor at home because that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, we come in. And, you know, when you first go into the hospital, they're always like, well, we'll see if you can stay, you know. And they're like, okay. So they examine me. And they're like, oh, you're out of seven. You really mean business. And so um, they took me into the room. And I'm like, but wait. I'm group strep positive. <laughs> so, you know, like alert the presses, you know. And uh, so they're like, okay. So they hook up. I mean, I had like four nurses working on me because they're like, you're going to have this baby. And now you tell us you have the group B. And so I'm like, okay. So they give me the antibiotic. And so I'm like doing my best. You know, I'm like, well, I want to have this baby. But like, I need two bags of <laughs> antibiotic, you know. And, you know, suddenly it becomes like this speed type situation like don't slow the bus down or everything's gonna explode and so um yeah so they got one and a half bags of fluid and I was like I I can't like I I need to have this baby like it's gonna explode out and so um yeah so they I had her and then but then there's all that stress after like well I only got one and a half bags going on what's gonna happen you know and I mean Right when I found out I had it, I went home and Googled it, which is like the worst right, thing ever. Doctor Google. There's no <laughs> doctor. Absolutely. There's no doctor to be like, oh, but it's gonna be okay. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And you're just like reading about all this meningitis, and you're like, oh my gosh, like people die from that, and like my baby. And so, yeah. you, you know, the nurses were like, why are you worried? And I'm like, well, because I we're watching. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, that means she gets like one extra blood test. So, yeah. So for all of you pregnant people out there listening I have a baby who's perfectly fine and like alive and just completely nuts and I had the group B so don't the worry group B. The group had the group B it was I had the GBS <laughs> So, and Kristen, you had it too? I did not have it. I've had several of my doula clients That's right. have it. And um, I mean, it's certainly not, you don't want to uns- underscore, or, you know, downplay right. the risks of it, but it, it's not, doesn't mean you can't have the birth you want. doesn't mean that your baby's, you know, not going to be okay. Right. But it's definitely something to discuss with your care provider. Absolutely. So my provider was different than Amy's though, because I actually got to swab myself with my second pregnancy. Oh, yeah. They offered me, yeah. and I said no. Oh. I will respectfully decline. <laughs> you can do that for me. Well, and my toddler was in the room, so that was a special sharing moment for us. Um, but swab myself, and then um, and then I just went about my week or whatever, and I was being seen weekly at the time, and I came back and like, oh, P.S., you have it, and you're positive. So it was not a, you know, they didn't sit me down. They didn't call me. They were like, we, it's not a big deal. We didn't even call you. Um I did have a very precipitous labor, so I showed up pushing to the hospital, um, and it was a little bit longer, and I could ask um, Dr. Pemvis you this question, but I I was about 18 hours post-rupture. I had a slow amniotic leak, and but no labor signs, and I was going for a VBAC, and I was a little bit of a rebel, um, and so when I showed up 18 hours post-rupture, I did kind of get a finger wagging, but um, they got in 
about half of the antibiotics. And then I think we just stayed like an extra night in the hospital under observation. And, and it was okay. And I wouldn't, I will go on the record to say, I don't recommend that for people. That was just my situation. Um, but it, there was a lot of support and I felt in very good hands, you know, because she was monitored and whatnot. So, but it's funny, all the, the different, um, different stories around it. And so I do want to ask, what is the usual recommendation if you do test positive um, and your water breaks? Are there considerations within labor that you would typically yeah. advise? Yeah, so absolutely. So you, especially say your first time mom and your water breaks, you may not be going to labor for hours, maybe overnight. Right. So we don't necessarily, we're going to assess you. Are you, are you, are you early labor? Are you even near labor? Do we have to induce labor? How long are we going to watch you? So basically you start the antibiotic with labor. Or if you think the patient's, I usually say around four centimeters and actively contracting. Okay. Or if you've gone 18 hours without it and there's signs of infection. Usually for me, 18 hours, I really would prefer my patient on it just because I like to prevent things I can prevent. Definitely. So, um, um, and those are pretty much the recommendations to follow. Okay. So. And again, when you take the groupie strep swab, that's the time to educate your patient, not when you come back. Because people, once you tell them there's something positive and they don't know anything about it, they pretty much shut you off and the worst case scenario just hits their head. And so. they're Googling. Yeah, they're Googling. <laughs> I know. I yeah. know. It's me. And so um, can GBS be prevented or are there ways to not have the bacteria colonize? That's one, not really. It's okay. kind of one of those things. Um, if you've, And the one thing we didn't bring about is if you've actually had a baby infected with group B strep, any other pregnancy, we're going to treat you in labor and mm. delivery for that. That's just the, automatically? Just automatically. Interesting. Not necessarily because you had it last pregnancy, but if your baby had an actual infection from it. Hmm. So, But yeah, no, this is not one that we're going to prevent. Okay. Yeah. So like probiotics or not no. really? No. Okay. Interesting. Amy and I both had experiences with one being pos- one pregnancy having um, GBS positive results and the other negative. Is that pretty common? Or yeah, absolutely. You- okay. Yeah, that happens all the time. You don't so. typically have like all necessarily all pregnancies Correct. with the same. Somebody outcome. who's a, a big colonizer, the ones who find it in their urine. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not actually be an infection, but it's in their urine, mm-hmm. and we'll treat that. If it shows up in your urine, we treat it and make sure it goes away. Okay. Yeah. So because we don't want those levels to keep growing, um, but but that's somebody who we're going to have a higher suspicion that next pregnancy it's going to show up again. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pembosi, for joining us today. Absolutely. Um, for more information about Dr. Pembosi, as well as information about any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of the Preggy Pals Club. After the show, Dr. Pembosi is going to be discussing sexually transmitted infections. To join our club, visit our website, newmommymedia.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Here's a question for one of our experts. Angie from San Antonio, Texas writes, I just had my 20-week ultrasound and found out that my baby has a cleft lip. I'm scared for what this means for my baby. What kind of surgery is done to fix it when my baby is born? Hi, this is Dr. Frederick Johnson, the pediatrician from San Diego. Uh, the good news is it's not that uncommon and can be repaired usually within the first two to three months of life, sometimes a bit earlier. The only issue might be the extent of the cleft lip and whether there's a cleft palate also. So by itself, a cleft lip 
is not a big problem. There might be a tiny scar there after they repair it, but uh, it shouldn't go much further than that, and hopefully there's no other issues. So I hope that answers your question, and I hope you have a happy pregnancy. Take care. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, Twin Talks for parents of multiples, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.